Thanks for listening to another life-transforming message from the team here at C3 Southwest Washington. To find out more about our church, visit c3swwa.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for praying. High five the person next to you. Grab your Bible and we're going to jump in. Before I actually jump into uh, my message tonight, I just want to bring a couple of updates to you regarding this season. The gear behind me and the wrench is always significant of the fact that we are actually in our pre-launch season. This is church and we're gathered as a church, but we're really gathered to establish a couple things. Much of what we're doing is very similar to a normal church gathering with some adjustments. Uh, right now, we're in the process of building out our facility. We go to apply for permits this week. The drawings are done. We're getting ready to pull the trigger on permits. We're praying for that to be speedy. And because of the last 18 months, we're shifting out of survival mindset. Remember, we've done triple services in a studio and then services in a tent that would half blow over. And thank God for Pastor Ben and the church here at Footprints allowing us to use this and us setting up and tearing down. But soon we're going to have our own place. We're also in the process of reestablishing team. And I asked you that question, who's on the team? Well, these are pre-launch gatherings. We want to connect you to be a part of the team. Now, with that, I want to challenge you to uh, lean into becoming an official team member. If you guys will give me that slide, um, we're inviting you, regardless of how long you've been in this church, if it's five minutes or if it's been 10 years, okay, we want you to join the team. Let us know that you want to be a part of the team. I was really blessed tonight. You know, Anne's been coming to our church for a few months back in the tent, and she's like, why are you calling on me? Turn the camera. I could t- Don't worry, I'm not going to make you get up and come up here, but I remember her coming and visiting and and introducing herself to a few people, and it was really cool to walk back in the back tonight uh, as they're preparing for some refreshments afterwards and watching her jump in and be a part of the team. That's what we want to do. We want to add you to the team. You have a space on the team. Looking in the back of the room at at some of our teenagers new on the team like Jocelyn and and some of our other, our crew running around taking photos and stuff like that. There's a spot for you on the team, even if you've been here for 10 minutes, okay? We can get you involved with the team. Now, when you go onto this this page, and again, another QR code, or you can go to our website, being a part of the team just includes a couple things. Joining us for our weekend gatherings, you're here. We have that team night, which is the second Wednesday of every month. This coming week, starting this week on Tuesdays on social media, just ask you to pray over prayer lists that we're going to have as a church family to make sure we get launched and we get launched strong. We're also inviting you to read a chapter a week in a great book by our lead pastors who reside in uh, Sydney, Australia, Pastor Phil and Pastor Chris Pringle. Pastor Phil has written this leadership book that will help you as a team member, and this book is by far, and I have got a lot of leadership books, but by far the best leadership book that I've ever read. And so on Thursdays, we'll be hitting the, I'll be dropping a video on social media, just letting you know my favorite part of that chapter for that week, and inviting you to make some comments as well. And when you register on our webpage, you'll be able to select some areas of interest that maybe you have, or maybe you want to join a team. Maybe you want to preach next week. I'm not sure that's going to happen, but select the thing that you would like to be involved with. And there's a laundry list of opportunities, everything from security to running sound or uh, plugging in uh, wires to preparing food, all sorts of great things that are part of the team that you'll be able to sign up for. And once you do that, you can expect over the next couple months to receive your installment 
of C3 swag. If you come to team night and you filled out your registration, you will get your first item of really cool swag. So I want to invite you to be there, a part of that. Okay, let's jump into our series. We're in a series during this season that's helping you as a team to really take a look at what makes us different. The fact that we are different from every other, every other church, not that that doesn't mean they're not great, but we are intentionally us. You're you, and you're you, and you are part of the same church family, but Alana, you're different than other people in the room, and that's good, Amen. And it's important for you to lean into who you are because God's created you for here and now and for this setting. And the best version of you, biblically informed, allows you to help make the us better. But as you look at our church, there's some things that make us distinct. Some of you have picked up on them and asked questions. Hey, how come you guys pray out loud? Like you want everybody to pray out loud. I'm not used to that. Normally, I've been to churches where some guy gets up in the front and he talks very gothically, and only he is qualified to pray while we put our hands in our pockets, bow our heads, and are quiet and silent. And when we read scripture, for us, we, we read about the effective, fervent prayer of the righteous man or woman, not the righteous person on the platform, all of us. We can all push and see things change here on earth. So that'd be just like one quick distinctive, but we've created this list so that you'll better understand what makes us the flavor that we are. Because it's intentional. We know who we are. We know who God has called us to be. And we want to really lean forward into that identity. And in the process, you'll help, it'll help you to understand better what makes us who we are. And so that you can help to strengthen that flavor, to be impacted by that flavor. And it keeps us all on the team, all rowing together with the same identity under the banner of Christ. So tonight, I specifically want to talk to you about that first one, the church is our family. So that's my title tonight, the church is our family. Next slide. And in this, you are family. And I want you to grab a hold of this, okay? You know, when I first came into the church, when I was, uh, it was 1985, walked into a church about our size, about our flavor, People had tambourines back then. It was the 80s, but it was a similar kind of thing going on. And it was so unusual to me because I came out of traditional church where they wore robes and they we repeated after people on the platform and no one clapped and no one sang out loud. No one raised their hands. It was almost as if, you know, we're talking about a God that someday we will meet. And then when I stepped into this church, it was like they all knew God, like God was here. It was unusual to me. And in the process, there was something that was interesting. Everybody referred to one another as brother or sister. Some of you will remember that. You would say, hey, Sister Jenny, how are you doing? Sister Trish, Sister Rowena, you know, Brother Steve. And it was, it was unusual. It was a little weird to me. But what was fascinating to discover is it was familial or family language. The church treated one another very much in family terms. And that's not something that's um, unusual because the Bible specifically talks about the church itself using familial language, using language that's family. And if you were to read through all sorts of scriptures, you would understand that as God reveals to us his church, as he talks about the church, as the church gathers, so much of the language is family language. Um, you would discover that God is spoken of as father, and you and I, as we come into a relationship with him, we become his sons and daughters, which does actually make us brothers and sisters. It uses that language. Now, don't call me Brother Steve. That makes me feel like 100 years old. But 
but really as a church family, we are brothers and sisters with primarily God our Father. He's in the center of everything that we do. If, if we are a wagon wheel, he is the hub in the center, and he invites us to actually formalize family when we hear the whisper of heaven say, come, give your life to me, come and follow me. We say yes, we make a decision to put God first in our lives. One of the ways we make that formal, becoming a family member, is we get water baptized. I'd encourage you to do that. But that's officially declaring what's already happened in your heart. You've made the Lord first. Then you let everyone else know that he's first through water baptism. Um, John chapter 3 gives even more of a family picture of how you come into the family, the church. The Bible says that the way you step in is you are born again. You know, when your kids came into your family, many of your kids, they were born. And so there's a similar picture coming into the church, not by walking through the front doors, not going through a membership class, because you could do all of that. But if you don't have an encounter with God in the process, it's just a piece of paper. But we believe that God is, is drawing each and every one of you, and he's saying, come and follow me. And when you hear that and you say yes... The Spirit of God grabs a hold of who you are, and there's an ignition in your soul, in your spirit, that causes you to be born again. And all of a sudden, things about God you begin to discover, and you're like, wow, this is amazing. I want to sing songs. I want to raise my hands. I want to pray out loud, because you are born into a spiritual family that you probably didn't even realize existed before that moment. Galatians chapter 4 uses language like for, for this church experience as adoption. And we have a large number of people in our church family who have either adopted or who have been adopted. And the Bible uses that same language that God, when he sent his son, was actually making the purchase price for your adoption. And what's beautiful about adoption is the fact that you actually, the parent decides to adopt a specific child. Like, I, we, our kids happen naturally. We got what we got. Now, we're thankful. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not, this is not like, oh, man, we, didn't, we spun the wheel and it didn't work out so good. We're thankful. But for those of you who have been adopted, although it's not perfect, some of the circumstances, man, I hope you understand the heart of a parent who says, I want you. Wow. 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 And if you can capture that, if you can see that, even, even if the relationship is maybe challenged and broken, because there's a lot of things that come along with that experience, but the heart of God, looking out through the crowd and individually selecting you, that's how God did it. God chose you. He didn't just like buy a bulk of people all in a box and, what did I get here? He has hand-selected each and every one of us in our initial moment of conception in our mother's womb, and then at that moment of spiritual conception as he's drawing you and saying, come and follow after me. And that, that idea of us stepping into God's family really does connect us in a way, believe it or not, that's on a deeper level than natural family. The truth is that sometimes you have only genetics in common with family, but the thing I have in common with everyone in God's family is that we've also all been through this incredible traumatic moment of, of the lowest of low and the highest of highs, discovering the fact that we are sinners because of our actions and we deserve hell and we're facing that and then God sweeps in and redeems us by paying the pro adoption price for our lives and pulls us out of that. We have a unique experience. I have more, in now my, my parents are in the family of God as well, 
But I mean, some of you have more in common because of that, that experience of coming into the family of God than maybe you have with some of your natural family. And so God speaks in terms of him being father and us being sons and daughters, and that makes us brothers and sisters. The Bible also paints the picture of, of Christ being the groom and the church being the bride. That's a beautiful language there. I won't dive into it, but it's an amazing, amazing picture. Also, the scriptures talk about, uh, paint the picture of the apostolic, original apostles, the 12 apostles. As they begin to plant churches, they were actually fathering or birthing churches all around the world and leading them as spiritual fathers. And then they would send others to actually hands-on lead those local churches who then became like local church fathers. And I won't read through all of these scriptures. You can look them up. But I think as you really dial in, I love 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 10. It says, and in fact, you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia. And I'll say it this way. You do, in fact, love all of God's family here in C3 and also in our region, southwest Washington. God has a family here. And he's inviting people to join that family. We love that family. It goes on to say, yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more. So hopefully that sets you up for some understanding of this concept of the church is family is a biblical concept. And with that, you definitely want to press into the fact that we want to view everything church-related through the lens of family. Now, we step into settings every day without realizing it, but we put on a pair of glasses that creates a filter by which we see it through. It's so important, though, when you and I really take a look at gathering as a church, our relationships in the church, that we intentionally put on glasses to see one another and what we're doing as family. It's probably likely that you would naturally wear a different set of glasses because our American experience informs how we look at church often in a way that's not biblical. We, we live in a great, the greatest nation probably the world has ever experienced on, on a functional level, regardless of what you're hearing people chanting. The opportunity to live in this nation, our forefathers that set up this nation, imperfect. But there's a reason why 41 million immigrants want to come here. The next, the next uh, country that has number two level of immigrants is only 11 million. Believe it or not, I think it's Russia. Okay? Shocking. Um, but people want to come here because it is an amazing place of opportunity with all its flaws and all of its problems. But one of the challenges for us in our upbringing is actually that sometimes we have on, instead of this view of family, we actually look through a a lens that causes us through American culture to see churches like a business, like, like this is a burger joint and we're customers and we pick out the best burger joint we can find in town until we find out there's another burger joint that offers something better. And lots of times, those of us who are leaders in the church, we treat the people like customers and if they will help us to build a better church, they're valuable, but the moment they're not, all of a sudden we move on to the next person. Now, I hope you've never felt that way here in our church, but it is still difficult to stay away from looking through the lens of being a consumer instead of seeing it as family. Because you don't look at your natural family like a business. 
Well, you know, Johnny's uh, he's cutting the lawn pretty good, but uh, I don't know. Little Billy's coming up, and he might be better, so we could ditch Johnny. Johnny, you're out. Out of what? The lawnmower job? No, you're out of the family. You're no longer useful to us. And yet, you know, American culture could, if it's run like a business, we do see things like that. You know, the beauty is that Jesus modeled family to his disciples and how he interacted with them. It's amazing, the family atmosphere that Jesus built with the disciples. He was committed to Peter like family, even when Peter didn't respond like family, took off. Do you know that Jesus treated Judas like family? He knew all along that Judas was going to betray him, and yet Jesus loved Judas. Let him kiss him on the cheek. He was that committed, and he saw through the family lens. If it was a business, he would have fired Judas because Judas was stealing money. But he kept Judas around because he was trying to reach him as a son. After the disciples experienced bad times, what did they do? They took off. They scattered. They went to other burger joints, right? They ran off to fishing or they ran off into hiding. And Jesus was still committed to the model of family. That's why he circled back and he pressed into individual relationships. He grabbed onto Peter, who had gone back to fishing, and he said, Peter, feed my sheep. What What does that really mean? Peter, get back to the business of family. You're a leader in the family. Let's build the family. Come on, let's go. And so um, that's, that's such an important thing to see. Rowena and I, when we started the church, as definitely a calling. It was something uh, not only confirmed through signs, some signs and wonders, some crazy things, but leaders in the church community. Who, we didn't just decide to do this. We were sent. And in the process, the thing that we understand is we're not starting a church. We're starting a spiritual family that would ripple into hopefully generations and children and grandchildren and new friends, people that would come in who, who we didn't know yet. But as people walk through the door, it's so important that when they do, the lens of family is seen, that that's how we embrace you, that that's how you're received, and that's also how you become a part and you embrace others. Okay, as a church family, we need to see the us, us, the church, Through the lens of family, as we look at our church, as we look at other churches. We as a church family, we're building our family, but we don't go to other people's families and invite their kids to join our family. You tracking with me? If they show up, we welcome them, and I'll make a phone call to their family to say, hey, dad, your son's over here. They want to make sure if people can certainly change churches, but it's not like changing burger joints. There's a history there. There's strength and value there. We want to help people because they're still in the kingdom of God to navigate well. When we're interacting with visitors, we see potential family. With our longtime people who call this place home as family, even when someone leaves, we want to make sure we help them to leave as family. And trust me, that can be challenging if you're wearing the glasses of a consumer or as a store shop owner, but helping people to transition in and out as family is critical. When you interact with a leader that you see family or you're interacting with someone that you lead, when things are going well or when things are falling apart, we're still family. When you succeed, when you fail, when someone you lead succeeds or when they fail, it's still family. Have you ever done your thing and had a bad day and it didn't go well? Up, oh, you're off the team if it's a company but you have a place here in family, amen? 
when someone you lead succeeds or when they fail, when someone you follow succeeds or fail. When you're speaking or when you're being spoken to, it's family. When you're encouraging or when you're being encouraged or maybe you're being challenged. Because in a family, we all have different roles and responsibilities, and it's not always, come on, Miss Trish, you can win. Sometimes it's, hey, Miss Trish, you're not winning, and here's why. And that won't happen at, yeah, Trish is a horrible example of this. (laughs) Trish is always winning. All I do is win, 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 win. Okay. (laughs) I was going to, that's Trish. That's Trish's theme song. In fact, I'm going to set that new song on my phone when she calls, all I do is win, win. Anyways, I digress, okay? Um, but, you know, there's, there's that, uh, that, that, that love for people as family, like when your child wrecks his bicycle. You're not like, you dummy. You're a lousy bike rider. You're out. That's what they do in business. That's what happens with companies. I mean, maybe they'll let you crash a few times, but they're all worried about the bottom dollar. But in family, we're less worried about what you can do. We're more concerned about the who you are. And when we're focused on who one another is, the what we do actually is secondary, right? But when it's family, what happens when someone wins, we cheer them on. That's why in the church, when when somebody's up here praying, we're not all silent and quiet, we're cheering them on. Have you ever watched a football team? The guys are out there on the field playing. Their team's just sitting back. No, they're leaning forward. They're encouraging the team. The fans are cheering for the team. We want our team to win. So whether it's our students leading in worship, Jen, great, great, phenomenal job today. I mean, the way I I got a little, me and mom got a little choked up that whole thing, okay? But that's what family does, right? That's, That's a family deposit. That's amazing, that moment. And so that's why we do that. That's why when somebody else is speaking, I'm like, yes, that's good. Because I, I am a parent in the family, and I'm cheering on older, you know, younger brothers and sisters and children in the family because we want each other to win. Not just stand back and be entertained. That's a business. It's like somebody gets up here to pray or somebody gets up to take, even if you can't remember their name, still cheer them on, okay? <laughs> Man, I felt like such an idiot. And Corey's like, I think he could take me in a fight, I'm pretty sure. And Yeah, he's like shaking his head back there. and I expected him to go like this when I walked by. It would have been due. Anyways, okay, let me, get, let me jump into three points. So I got enough time, I got eight minutes. That was the introduction, okay? Um, okay, so uh, even when there's a conflict, we're still family. I'll, I'm going to get to that slide right there in a second. But when there's a conflict, if it's a business, it's to the death. And I'm going to survive. But if it's family, if you kill your family, you kill yourself. Some husbands, you need to learn the fact that you could win the argument and actually destroy the relationship. Come on. You don't win if they lose. When family loses, you lose. You're connected. So we fight for the best of one another so that the family experiences the best. Okay. Uh, you, you were okay, Jocelyn. I, Jocelyn, I got you guys moving all over the place, okay? You're doing a fantastic job. Your parents raised a good, good gal. The parents are over there clapping. Woo! It's my girl. Whoops, ow. I've got a sports injury up here. Okay. As family, we gather and enjoy. We gather to build and enjoy the best family we can. 
If this was the business model, I am here to entertain you. Our kids' church is here to entertain your children. My city is here to entertain your students. And if we do a good job, you go home with a full grocery cart and you just come in and then go out happy and then you come back next week. That's not how family works. If your kids had that mindset in your house, how would that go over? Not good. And so in the family of God, we gather together, all of us, to build and enjoy the best family we can. Amen? Amen. Come on. you got to. I, I need some help. I cheer for you. Come on. God is the father. He's the head of this family. As we come together, we focus our attention on him. As we do, we experience him. And as his sons and his daughters gathered around, his presence comes into the room. It creates the, the ultimate atmosphere of home where our heavenly father is present within us. And as we, we actually inhale faith and strength and confidence. It allows us to stand up stronger and become stronger parents, stronger children, stronger community members to walk out these doors and face what we have, knowing that our Father is for us, not against us, that he wants our very best. Amen? Amen. So we gather with that mindset as family. We all have a role to play. We have work to do. There's benefits for all in the good work that we do. Um, our role is not our identity. Our relationship is our identity. You're not a somebody in this church because you can sing well, because you might lose your voice the next week. I'll never forget, I had a high school student. She was a junior. This is years ago. Phenomenal runner. She was already a, rate, uh, a state rated in the top three as a junior. And while running one of the opening season uh, 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 runs, marathons, whatever it was, at the beginning of the year, she developed a stress fracture or had one and, and her whole leg broke in the middle of that race. And I remember going to visit her in the hospital and in the process of her realizing that her running career was over, they were never able to properly fix her leg. She never ran again. And I remember her sobbing, laying in the bed saying, who am I now? And the challenge for us to understand is our identity cannot be based on what we're able to do. Jay, you are more than a man who owns a company, okay? Uh, Jordan, you're more than a CFO. I think that's what you are at work, is CFO, COO, CEO, king lord of, of business, okay? You're more, you're more than a pump operator, okay? You're more in this church than the sound guy, okay? Your identity is not based on that. And if you could push that aside, what you do is secondary to who you are. You're somebody because God has said you're somebody. You're somebody in this house because you've said yes to him or you're in the process. And you become family then. You're not a throwaway. There's not, there's not like taller sons and daughters and the little smaller sons and daughters, you know, important and not as important. Who's not important in a natural family? We love our family. And so what you do is secondary to the who you are. Together, we see it generationally as you have a natural family. It's not just about the people in the room. It's about the family and the people who are becoming his family. There are people in this community that are going to experience the adoption into God's family because they intersect with this church family. I thank God for the New Britain Church of God. Ninth, April 1985, I walked in, and because of those people, the veil that separated heaven from earth opened, and I experienced God tangibly for the very first time. That church family 
opened the door for me to become family. And it's changed my life so radically. I mean, I'm, I'm not a perfect person, and those of you who hang around with me, you know that. But I can assure you, I would be a shadow of who I am as a dad, as a husband, as a human being, had that moment not happened. But the confidence to know that God wants me as his son allows me to stand up and step into a meaningful life walking with him. Let me say this. Like every family, there is business. Mom and dad have to run the checkbook. You got to pay the bills, right? There, is, there are some things that are business-like about a family, but it's not a business. The same is true of the church. There's business to do, but that is not the mainstay of what we are. This is about relationship. Us first individually with God and corporately together with God, and then next with one another. There's also the spiritual side, which is led according to biblical framework. In this church family, there are mom and dad and older siblings and younger siblings and babies being born but we still function as family. That's why our kids are not the church of tomorrow. You're going to look at your children and say, oh, by the way, sweetheart, you're, you're part of the tomorrow family. You're just kind of, you know, stand over here to the side and just smile. No, no, no. God has said, I want you to be my son, my daughter. It's amazing. And I, I say it unapologetically. For our teenagers, they're just as important as any adult. And they, they might only give paper route money tithe. I don't care if you give, you know, big corporation tithe. That doesn't make you more important than them. It doesn't. Amen? Anybody? Okay. Let me get point number two. True family requires us to lean into those family relationships. Everyone that gathers with us is either family or becoming family. Some of you, this is true. This is, this is a reality. In this room, some of you have stepped into the family. You've said yes to following Jesus. But some of you are a little farther out, and you're like, what the heck is this? I kind of like it. I'm not sure. It's okay. Take your time. And we understand that process, and we welcome that process. I'll give you a Bible verse to back it up. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. It's like, before you just jump and tackle the whole meal, God invites you to put your toe in and discover him. I want to challenge you to do that. We welcome you to do that. That's why you don't have to be like super spiritual to get involved. You can help in the parking lot. You can help it. You can get involved. I and mean, we might not have you lead in prayer if you've not said yes to Jesus yet. We got we to gotta introduce you first to the person you're praying to before you lead others in prayer. That's important, right? In a family, family interacts, welcomes, and gets together, not just on Sunday or Saturday night. I love to see you guys connect with one another. It should always be a two-way street. With a family, it's a two-way street. In a business, I, listen, I've been through this experience when I've been treated like the company owner. It's when I invite somebody out. It's when I pay and when I call them. And, I, and it's a one way I'm constantly reaching out, trying to connect them to the family. But at some point, in order for it to be family, it's a two-way street. We do life together. And I'm not just talking about me. I'm talking about the us. That it, Not everybody's just connected to me at Rowena, which is not the case in our church, but connected to one another. You know, there's the always trying to include people in family who are a little bit farther away, but there is, as a family member, to allow yourself to be connected. Don't 
Don't fight the thing that God has built. Oh, I don't know. What if they find out who I really am? Oh. Oh. Somebody might actually know who you are. Warts and all. We all got them. Okay? You'll find that family can help you to overcome warts. We've got wart remover. It's awesome. Family celebrates one another. Family sees a need, serves a need. When it's at What's in Walmart, somebody spills their cart. You're like, oh, that stinks for them. But somebody's cart in life gets dumped over in family. We all race over there and help pick it up. You know, if somebody's sick, we actually pray. We don't say, oh, I'll be praying for you. We pray here and now. Somebody's moving, we get a truck and we help one another move. Somebody's got a car broken down for the 10th time. We race over there to, we know how to fix it. Family is not afraid to ask family for help appropriately, transparent on an appropriate level. As part of this, am I doing okay time-wise? What time are we at? Take a couple more minutes. Um, actually, maybe skip. I'm going to skip over this. Let me bring me the last point. I'll skip over it. Okay. Um, next slide, guys. Um, family members are in the always process of being perfected. So just so you know, I mean, there's no reason to put on facades here. You don't do that at home. Your family knows you for who you are. Somehow when we go out in the public, there's suddenly sports me, and then there's book me at school, and then there's, you know, dance joint me, or I don't know where I'm going with this, but clearly not taught this illustration through. But then there's church me. I got it all together. Family doesn't have to do that. That's unhealthy for good relationships. And here's the reality. Here's, here's what we're committed to. Family members are always in the process of being perfected. When you first walk into these doors, some of your life is going to be in, in all tangled up, not match the Bible, not match what God wants. That doesn't intimidate any of us. We've all started there. The kid who walked in in 1985 was a disaster. Some of the girls, a new guy shows up in a smaller church. Oh, maybe he's potential. And they, I'm like, I had a car, so that made me special. And when they walked out and looked into my car, I had, this is dating me, my Playboy Bunny shifting knob that my sister had given me for Christmas on my car terrified these four or five church girls looking into my car. All of a sudden, they're like, ha that's nice. He has a car. You'd run. I didn't have it all together. I didn't know what was right. I didn't know what words were in bounds or out of bounds. I didn't know what was up or what was down, but I was hungry to learn how to live for God. And the church just embraced me like a stinky, slobbery baby who poops his diapers, drools all over the place, throws up. In a family, we think that's cute. Well, kind of, some of you. That's okay if that's you. But here's the thing is, you're gonna grow. You're going to become stronger. You're going to learn how to walk, put steps in front of one another because we're being perfected. Amen? You realize this applies to your leaders as well? You're going to find, I'm not perfect. Now, there's a certain level of maturity required for leaders. Okay? You've got to be able to ride the bike to, in order to teach other people to ride the bike. I mean, there's some things that you can't be still struggling with as a leader. But even your leaders are imperfect people. So you have moments. You'll be like, well, how do you have the right to tell me when you don't have it all together? Try that with your parents sometime. This is 
beautiful dance, okay, in a relationship. God can use crooked sticks to draw straight lines. God can use your imperfect parents to help you to grow. God can use imperfect leaders in the church. But we lean into those relationships. I want to challenge you to lean into those relationships. Amen. Stand with me. We're going to go ahead and pray. I just want to pray over, we're going to sing the song and, and Steve's going to lead the team. But I want, to, I want to be able to pray. Is it okay if we take a moment to pray for a couple things? All right. I, I, want to, I want to specifically pray. I know we got a couple of our students that are new leaders in the church. I want to pray for all of our students that are, that are functioning some level of team tonight. If you look around the room, we've got a bunch of le- uh, student leaders back there. Maybe we've got somewhere, some sitting in the chairs. And it, cheer, cheers, guys. Um, we're going to pray over you guys. Okay, so do me a favor. Put your hand on one, some of those students' shoulders. And come, come, some of your parents move out of your chairs. These chairs are not like invisible barriers keeping you from doing stuff. We're going to pray over our students. We're going to just pray a blessing over them because God has his hand on them. God wants to use them in powerful ways. And we're going to lift up our voice. And as we are around these students, they need to hear you pray, okay? Father, we thank you so much for our students. We speak over them. They're part of this team. God, we're so glad for the talent, the abilities, God, that they have within them. God, we pray, God, for your hand to be upon them in the process of finding their spot on the team. God, I pray that you'll capture them with desires and thoughts of the future. God, of good things that you have for them. God, of your touch that you have on your people and stepping into not only places of serving, but eventually leading God. We pray that over our students. We pray them, uh, that over them on the technology team. God, we pray for that over them. Maybe some of them sitting in the room yet to join a team. Some of them have recently joined the team. Father, we thank you for them. We bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. So good to pray for our students. Amen. Uh, it was awesome. It was neat to see Raina signed up to be a part of our C3 Kids team and worked it last week. She's giving me stink eye. I don't care. I'm glad to have our students on the team. You know, being a, fa- being a family just means incredible moments. Like to be there for family. I pray like specifically over our family that, that healing is always in this house. Amen. It's been one of the amazing things. We've watched God heal cancer in this house. We've watched God touch people. It's always the mystery diseases that always causes my red flags to go up. The doctors don't know what's wrong, but there's something wrong. It's like, oh, I know what's wrong. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna pray, right? Push back what's trying to push in. And so I want to be able to pray for anybody who's dealing with any health issues tonight, okay? Why don't you just, where you're at, just raise your hand, and we're going to pray. Um, is this your friend, Jay, Chris, right here? Chris, we're gonna, a couple people are going to get around you. We're going to pray over Chris. He's kind of dealing with some, st- like, mystery stuff going on. The doctor's like, we don't know. Uh, something's going on here, right? And so we're going to pray if a couple of you would get around him. Anybody else need a touch in your body? Keep your hands up nice and high. Lift it up nice and high so we can see, Pat. If somebody's got their hand up, do me a favor. Let's be family. The cart's over in aisle three. Pat's back there. Lisa's in the back. We're going to go ahead and pray, okay? All right, come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your people. God, we speak healing and strength and life in this house. Father, you were faithful when you sent your son. It says he healed all of their diseases. And Father, people have diseases today. People struggle with health issues. God, we're so thankful, God, that in your house there is healing. Father, we thank you that there's healing in your word. God, there's healing in your presence. Father, you commanded the disciples to go out and heal the sick. And God, you actually anointed them. You you conveyed authority on them to go and do that. That same authority functions in the church today. Father, where you are, there is healing. And so we pray healing in this house. And Father, that you would actually do signs and miracles in the lives of people as they step into the house. Maybe they're not part of your family yet, 
But as they step into your family, they do so because they realize you are a God of power who cares and is ready to work on earth before we ever get to heaven. That you're able to perfect what's happening on earth. Your desire is for our best here and now. Father, we speak healing over this house in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen and amen. Come on. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, leaders, and what we do at C3 Church, visit our website at c3swwa.com.